0: Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. We are still on the Green Economy series, a series made possible by a collaboration with the African Development Bank Group. In particular, its climate change and green growth department. The African Development Bank Group is the continent's premier development finance institution. Every year, World leaders meet under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, on what is known as the COP, which stands for the Conference of the Parties. So they meet to forge a global response to the climate emergency. On the sidelines normally are the civil societies, non-government organizations, as well as the media. This year's COP was supposed to be underway now, but it was cancelled due to COVID-19 pandemic it's now scheduled for the 1st to 12th of November 2021 still in Glasgow UK the thing is cop 25 held in Madrid Spain last December did not achieve much for the African continent so today we are focusing on the road to Glasgow and we're asking ourselves what are the priorities for the African continent and I'm honored to be joined by Arona Somare, the African Development Bank Principal Climate Change and Green Growth Officer, and the spokesperson to the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, Abbasanda Seininafo. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, sir. All right. Arona, if we start with you, how important is COP26 meeting for the African continent?
1: Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, so, over the last 36 years, we have been on the negotiation table, discussing different arrangements, coming out with different rules and, and framework. And now it's the time for to move really to implementation. And uh, so it is the issues now how to move from the negotiation and to really uh, concrete implementation on the ground. And uh, the COVID-19 situation, as, as we are talking about, has also really highlighted the need to to build a more resilient and healthy eco- economies. And uh, Mm-hmm. All the different intervention and development will be really assessed on how quickly mm-hmm. countries and stakeholders and partners can, can deliver on the goal of the Paris Agreement and also uh, how, for us how to speak to the need and circumstances of African countries as it was expressed on the, on the NDC a few years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for us as African Development Bank, this is a very timely moment and uh, we have been sharing a lot of leadership on climate issues. Uh-huh. Uh, by first implementing concrete and transformative project in the continent but also supporting African countries and strengthening the African position in this negotiation process. Mm. So this is now the time for us really to, to accelerate and support climate action mm-hmm. after all this uh, round of negotiation and, and talking and, and, and discussion. And for us as an African continent, as, as, as Africa, this is now really time for us to to bend the curve of vulnerability and poverty. Mm. Uh, and I think the bottom line for us is really how to make our country less vulnerable, how to really alleviate poverty, and uh, how you see this momentum so we can build resilience, diversify our economies, create green jobs and so on. So this curve is a very important, coming at a very important momentum in bring together all the key stakeholders engage in, in the climate issues, uh, maybe government versus private sector, civil society. Uh, so it's a unique platform where we can really uh, move the ball. Mm. And uh, and one of, one of the important things I would like to highlight here is uh, this COP is happening at a very defining moment because we talking about uh, the COP has been postponed, but you know mm. in, at the same time there are different other processes which are now ongoing. Uh, on the biodiversity side, this year was to be the the a COP for biodiversity and uh, COVID-19 has highlighted the need to address really our relation to nature yeah. and uh, to, to come out with a, uh, with a different framework and uh, try to find better way to restore our assets, natural assets, marginal assets. The issue of land degradation is also very high in the African agenda. So. This is a moment where we can join the dots and really collectively bring together these different issues and uh, address what is at stake. Now, what is at stake at the COP is pushing for new and more ambitious NDCs uh-huh. for the African continent and uh, making it very realistic based on the best available information, but making sure that you know these NDC are also aligned with our development goals and uh-huh. bring about, bring about clarity in the process. Uh-huh. The second thing which is very important is all the issue around climate finance commitment so we mm. can scale up this commitment and support the most vulnerable countries and uh, another, one, another thing which is very important is uh, helping the African country continent and to really have a more ambitious adaptation plan mm. and all the underlying policy and enabling framework we have behind that. And one last thing which is very important at the scope is really to, to work with countries so we can really reshape our development trajectory by working on, on our long-term strategies, setting out new pathways, not only for, for mitigation, but also an economy-wide approach, which can help us to address most of the enablers we are talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's coming at a very defining moment, we have wonderful opportunities uh, to really uh, a uh, shift of the process and uh, uh this could be very important to discuss a way to strengthen ambition. Mm. Uh, uh, after the five after the last five years since the Paris Agreement, countries now have to to come out with new and update NDCs.
2: Mm.
1: And so far if you if you if you look at our continent only one country has submitted its NDC. Yeah. Rwanda. Rwanda. So this is a very defining moment and uh, and the COP is really a very wonderful opportunity for us really to enhance our, our ambition before the deadline and, uh, and also all the issue on funding, as I said before, and uh, uh, making sure that by the end of this COP, we'll have a new ratified collective post-2020-25 uh, 2020, objective in terms of finance, how, we, how do you finance climate action?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: From you know, and and, and I'm sure that the, the the negotiation will be very difficult given the the the, cost the the COVID-19 situation, but it is something very 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 critical for, for Africa. Mm. I think you know this will be a very defining moment to discuss on on how Africa can juggle with different balls and and use this COVID-19 situation. Uh, as a way to really build back better, and you should not, you know, stay us away from a stronger climate change response. Mm. This is something we have really to to work on very very critically. Of course, there are different other issues at stake, but I think for me, this issue are is very important. And uh, one last issue at stake is also all the discussion around how we can reuse the carbon markets. Uh, this screen has been going along for a long time now, uh, uh, since COP24 and then in Madrid last year. And, uh, I think this is now really a defining a, a very important time to really uh, uh, move forward on all these different issues that really matter for for the continent.
0: Thank you so much, Arona Seni. Before we talk about the priorities for Africa, United States of America officially left the Paris Agreement last Friday on the 4th. Then. Joe Biden was elected the next president, and he has promised to have the United States rejoin the Paris Agreement. Why is it so important for America to be party to, this Paris, to the Paris Agreement?
2: Well, for one, you would, you would recall that it is the uh, Obama-Biden administration, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who uh, joined, I mean, not just joined the negotiator, but were instrumental for the Paris Agreement, not only to be adopted, uh, in Paris in mm-hmm. 2015, but also to be uh, ratified in a record time. In a, I mean, I think this is the uh, it all the record in times of speediness in which a an international agreement of that caliber, meaning the whole UN, 195 plus countries, mm-hmm. having ratified in a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Obama-Biden administration was instrumental for that to happen. Uh, and the US was was extremely involved in all the uh, fine points and details of 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 this negotiation Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, this was key to them and they had realized it not just on the basis of environmentalism if i can use that 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 word but because even in the us uh, from an economic point of view Mm -hmm. uh, they had seen uh, the growth of of renewables and and clean energy and and uh, clean transport and how uh, this could uh, actually lead to uh, to more jobs, to more growth, and uh, the trend is clear right now. I mean, if you if you check the um, on 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 the U.S. stock market, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest energy company today is a renewable company. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, the biggest in terms of market cap, uh, market capitalization. It's not ExxonMobil anymore. Uh, same thing in terms of transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one uh, car company in the U.S. or actually in the world right now, if I'm not mistaken, is Tesla. Mm. So this is not just uh, uh, climate change for sustainable development, but in the case of the U.S., uh, it's, it's jobs, it's economy. Uh, so uh, it makes sense for for, for the U.S. to, uh, to not just to, to combat, but to continue uh, leading. So I was not surprised at all. Uh, you know, and and uh, we will see again our colleagues uh, from the US.
0: Yeah, and we will come back to discussing that when we are discussing post twenty twenty financing. But then, mm-hmm. first, I just would want us to discuss Madrid, and uh, because you remember in during COP twenty five, there's not so much um, that was achieved for Africa. But then again, just wanted to briefly say what Africa achieved and what happened in Madrid in COP twenty five.
2: Well not not much unfortunately and uh, we had to, uh, had to admit that we were uh, disappointed and sometimes you know um, no decision is better than a bad decision sure and uh, unfortunately uh, in madrid on on three fronts uh, we were not able to to achieve any any meaningful outcome in some cases no outcome at all mm-hmm. uh, going into madrid we felt that we were going to finalize the negotiation on the new um you know on the new carbon on the new carbon markets and uh, this is important to us for for many for many reasons it's important uh, to, it was important to finalize that negotiation because uh, this is an opportunity for for more ambition mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to finance adaptation because right now there is a share of proceed when 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 those units are being sold there's a there's a levy which then funds the the adaptation uh, uh fund and Africa has benefited uh, quite a bit from, from that fund. So uh, our position was, was clear. Uh, any mechanism uh, coming out of this negotiation has to, you know, has, has to have provision for funding for adaptation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: at the same time, the rules themselves of the market, the rules underpinning this, this, this market, have to be uh, stringent and robust to ensure the overall integrity of the system. Mm-hmm. Meaning that we must be sure that units reduce Are units reducing by by uh, by the universe and not having accounting tricks so that you count units and those units are not have no integrity whatsoever so we're extremely stringent on the uh, on the rules we haven't been able to finalize that negotiation Mm. Uh, and that's okay because again we would rather had very stringent rules than you know loose rules which will uh, which will not, uh, will not help us to, to move forward. On mm-hmm. finance, Africa advocated for a number of uh, proposals. Uh, this was, you know, we were in, 20, uh, in 2019, almost getting into 2020, the end period for that 100 billion uh, target. We wanted to have a thorough assessment of where we were and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and on the, the target itself. We were not able to get that, uh, uh, that, um, that mandate. Uh, we wanted to start uh, discussions on the parameters around the post post 2020 uh, negotiation on finance uh, which you know which needs to be finalized by 2023 but you need to have a roadmap you know the idea was to agree to at least start a negotiation on a, on a roadmap for the negotiation to see okay what needs to be done on the technical on the technical side what are the inputs into that process what are the milestones between now and 2023 sort of having again some some parameters to uh, to clarify and to, to to come up with with some uh, yes with some clarity on, on the way forward that again we're not able to uh, to achieve last point where there was not uh, much progress as well mm-hmm. is the special circumstances of africa uh, which is a standing issue since COP 21. What is it? In very synthetic terms, is to recognize that but Africa uh, is a continent which warms at least 50 percent more than uh, uh, than the rest of the uh, than the rest of the globe uh, mm-hmm. because you know that's that's uh, uh, for geological reason or uh, geographic reason because most of the continent is between the tropics, so it warms more. I mean, or faster than the rest of the uh, the world. It's more vulnerable. Uh, it hasn't. Uh, socioeconomic uh, lag. So on top of that, you're adding uh, climate change, uh, it hampers it the development gains. So the idea was to, uh, since uh, COP21, this is a standing request by the continent to have a recognition and acknowledgement of that, of that situation. Again, we were not able to, to, to move that much. So Africa's position was clear uh, if we can't have significant meaningful progress on those issues there's no point to have an agreement we'd rather come next year and yeah. uh, and, uh, and be firm and be strong because this is a position on on, on principle there's, there's there's no compromise really where, where you know uh, on, on, on those issues I would, I would rather say that than saying well uh, this is uh, those are red lines which are being crossed so sometimes it's unfortunate but rather not have uh, a decision than a decision which brings uh, uh, so much prejudice and, and and for 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 the rest of uh, the foreseeable future
0: okay and I will come back to discuss further because I want to I want us to talk further about special circumstances but before mm-hmm. um, I want to take you back to carbon markets and when you talk about carbon market what are you talking about expand further and why is it so critical for Africa
2: okay so I'll start with the 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 basic uh, the basic principle of, of oh. carbon markets mm-hmm. well, the idea was that you know we are uh, we are one planet mm-hmm. so uh, emissions uh, can be uh, reduced in whichever part and having you know a net reduction and having a, a, a positive uh, a positive impact globally mm-hmm. so the premise for the creation of carbon markets was that developing I mean developed countries who had in the system uh, before Paris who had an obligation to reduce their, their emissions could actually um, uh, there could be projects in developing countries mm-hmm. and those uh, reduction like setting up a, let's say a solar plant or a clean or a clean power plant in one country the the um, avoided uh, emission reduction could be then uh, both. Uh, the units could be bought through a, a, a grant or a subsidy and be used toward targets of, of developing of, of a developed of a developed country so that was that was basically the idea that uh, developing countries would uh, um, have programs and projects and then those programs and projects would be supported and the uh, corresponding uh, by you know uh, a calculation of the corresponding emission reduction and that would be a grant that would be a a, a, a subsidy. So that was the first. Uh, that was the first uh, interest for us: a transfer, a transfer of technology, uh, funding uh, by subsidy grants to to some innovative project. The mm-hmm. second. The second. The second uh, benefit was I had, as I had indicated, on the uh, selling of every unit, there was a levy to fund an adaptation, uh, an adaptation mechanism an exactly. adaptation mechanism which will fund projects in uh, developing countries so that was the second benefit you know carbon market would um indirectly fund adaptation in african countries and and, and, and other countries so it was uh, the whole mechanism was interesting it was never put at sort of let's say at scale mm-hmm. because very rapidly the price of, of carbon went down sure. uh, because there was no there was not that much ambition in the uh, uh, in the system. So uh-huh. instead of mobilizing let's say billions and billions of dollars, it became maybe a, 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 a hundreds of, 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 of millions. But the system itself was quite interesting in terms of lessons learned. And then uh, now going into the negotiation of this new, um, the, I mean this new carbon market regime, which is called the Sustainable Development. Uh, mechanism we want to to built in with all the lessons learned in terms of rules in terms of geographic distribution of project in terms of support to adaptation finance
0: so honest to get to the special circumstances what is it all about mm-hmm.
2: well again it's it, it starts from a, a rationale, but uh, the in the last 20 years since the beginning of the convention in, in the early 90s mm-hmm. Africa as a region Africa's uh, socio-economic vulnerability was acknowledged and recognized and that had a, a, a direct impact in terms of prioritizing the continent for uh, support as well as understanding the constraints the development gap of the continent mm-hmm. to also leave some room for the continent to do its transition. So in going into Paris the partners then felt that it was uh, that differentiation was not relevant anymore Mm -hmm. but as much as Africa holds 70 percent of least developed countries but one should just focus on the least developed countries but as a region they were not keen to sort of extend uh, this uh, uh, let's say positive discrimination or this realization but this continent still uh, has very specific uh, socioeconomic uh, conditions. And those socioeconomic conditions, are, as well as as I'd indicating the fact that the continent's warm uh, 50% uh, uh, more than the rest of the world, should be recognized. Mm-hmm. So, this uh, in Paris uh, was not able to be reflected in the agreement. Mm-hmm. And Africa showing maximum level of flexibility. I'd indicated, and the COP president recognized that, but there would be a continuation of, of, of the discussion and see how this could be taken forward. And when one looks at you know, some of the socioeconomic uh, conditions, it's, for instance, the fact that Africa is already, in most cases, losing anywhere from 2%, 3%, 4% of, these, of its GDP due to uh, the impacts of, of climate change. Yeah. This is the continent which has more than, I mean, almost 20% of its population living in hunger, uh, the access to water is less than 30 percent. The access to electricity is less than uh, uh, than uh, almost 50 percent. When the rest of the globe is 70 percent access to to water in Africa is it's 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 one third. So those are those are valid situations. You, you want to take, for instance, even even the hydromet situation on Africa, meaning access to climate data. Mm. Uh, w, uh, WMO, which is the World Meteorological Organization, has done a survey in terms of the adequacy of the uh, hydromet system in Africa. Almost 70% of national hydrometeo services in Africa operate below uh, a basic level. So the continent has, has deep gaps in when it comes to infrastructure uh basic economic social infrastructure, climate change is making worse. Climate change is hampering. I mean, I was talking about 2%, 2%, to 4% GDP loss. Most African countries are exactly this is what they achieve. They achieve a 2, 3, 4, 5% GDP loss. So if all that GDP loss is getting, I mean all that GDP gain is getting wiped out by 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 climate change impact, we're not really, we are not really uh, making making progress. Yeah. And again, uh, and again, this climate change is something that we, that is totally, uh, totally important. Africa is less than four percent of global of global emission. So even if we are, even if we go to zero percent emission, we still won't be able to solve this uh, 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 to solve this crisis. This is a global crisis, and it's the reason of having a global response, and it's the reason why Africa is so involved, is so active in the negotiation. Because this is not like AIDS or malaria or Ebola, where we can sort of close our borders, put in place national policies to uh, deal with the crisis. Well, so we the... need to have we need to have a global
0: uh, a global solution. Yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the groups that were actually opposing Africa consideration for special uh, circumstances, you find among them were least developed countries and uh, seeds, uh, s- uh, small island states, majority of whom are in Africa. And just to remind you that we are talking about the road to Glasgow priorities for Africa, and this episode is part of the Green Economy series, made possible by a collaboration with Africa's premier development finance institution, the African Development Bank Group, and in particular its Climate Change and Green Growth Department.
2: Yes, I think I think in that uh, conversation, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, in Africa. Have to redouble our efforts when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, you know to, to the communication, outright uh, PR and, mm-hmm. and, and outreach, uh, because uh, the reality is mm-hmm. that the seeds and the LDCs mm-hmm. those are economic groupings, mm-hmm. meaning that you can graduate out of uh, out of the uh, uh, out of a seed. I mean, oh. to, to, to some extent, to some extent, you'll always be a small island, yeah. but your development economically, status, sure. economically, you okay. could graduate out of that. Sure. The LDCs, clearly, I mean, we have seen in the last, just in the last five years, we've seen uh, a few African countries who have graduated from uh, the LDCs because, again, this is an economic status which is very underpinned by your, uh, uh, by your GDP per capita level. Uh-huh so the conversation and then you know this is this is uh, this is some the work that we are getting uh, but we are also advancing not as fast of course Then we, we we have to do more homework which we uh, which we are mm-hmm. is to to explain and to present it to the different colleagues but you can never graduate from africa yeah. you can graduate from the seas, you can graduate LDC. from an and an, an, an ldcs and and, but you can never graduate from uh, from Africa, mm-hmm. so wh- so it's not as much. I mean, it's, it's not as much that the LDCs and seeds are against it. It's rather the partners who are, uh, in some cases, uh, orchestrating uh, orchestrating the 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 uh, the, the narrative.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not that you know most African uh, LDCs and seeds don't 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 get it. Mm-hmm. There's been a, a very subtle. Uh, sophisticated orchestration of this pitting, you know, one group against the other, or almost, uh, if not threatening, at least uh, making it at such that mm-hmm. some groups will lose their benefit in case, you know, if in case this this happened The trade-off is not between Africa and seeds or Africa and LDCs. That's not mm-hmm. where the trade-off. That's not where the trade-off is. But well, it's with the, with with partners, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that. Uh, as much as, again, an understanding that Africa, despite or, or actually on top of having a large majority of LDCs, even the countries who graduate from an LDC status, they're still facing very much so the socioeconomic challenges that are defined. You know, what we will be working on is to make this uh, issue a lot more political.
0: Mm. It's
2: clear, but from a technical point of view, we have made the argument. Okay. But we have also realized that this, is, this has been turned into a very polarized political debate. Mm-hmm. And we are now uh, going into that phase of really getting our leaders aware of this situation
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then preparing a case for them to articulate it at the highest level. Because to us, this is really, uh, if not the most important point right now, Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a point which is going to remain for the next generation at least. We are now working on, on raising the the political level of this, okay. so that it is it is it is put on the table at the highest level, and it is and so that the other side understand that it's not just coming from 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 negotiators, and this is way beyond, the implications are way beyond uh, climate change per se, or environment per se, it has much deeper uh, implication for our development trajectory,
0: and um, what benefits does Africa achieve with that recognition?
2: Many. The first is a prioritized access to uh, the resources which are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is, unfortunately, there there could be a trade, I uh, uh, well, say, climate-related trade measures mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. where you know where access to market, I mean, preferential access or access to market. Could be conditioned or could be uh, uh, safeguarded based on based on that. Mm-hmm. So by by the special circumstances of Africa being recognized, it will ensure that Africa is not adversely prejudiced when partners put in place those uh, those mechanisms. Uh, that's uh, extremely uh, important. Uh, and uh, the sort of just transition to, to you know both from an an, a, a, an energy point of view or you know some other measures to sort of have uh, some if not the financial support at least some time some additional time to transition and not being not being penalized or sanctioned mm. and this is something that we are we are we are seeing coming negotiations are i mean the eu and others start alluding to possible mm. let's say carbon uh, border tax adjustment
0: mm.
2: carbon related uh-huh. So you want to be sure that Africa is not going to be adversely impacted right. by such measures if they were going to be put in place. So it's okay. not just, again, as I said, uh, access to, to, to finance, but it's to preserve the continent against measures which could be put in place and where we would be adversely uh, impacted if our uh, special circumstances are not, uh, uh, are not
0: recognized. Okay and I'm looking at the time and I'm saying our time was first all, <laughs> very first <laughs> so but, but before I let Indeed, you guys just happens.
2: those are those are very those are very interesting conversations i, I also tell you my watch
0: yeah so um but before i let you go i just would want us to, to discuss post 2020 finance because then again yes. any uh finance is the thing because then again if even if we have very good ndcs um on the table but you find that our Af- majority of african ndcs are conditional and you also find we are uh, we are dealing now with um economic imports due to COVID 19 and uh we've also seen like developed countries who have Historical responsibilities and on emissions, and also have a responsibility to provide finance. They are also um, going through economic impacts due to COVID nineteen, and of course, there was a ten billion uh, that was committed in Copenhagen, but there's been a question of whether it's been met or it's not been met. How do we move forward in terms of post twenty twenty financing?
2: Interesting. What what Africa? The first thing what Africa wanted to do was to learn from the first process as such, meaning the one hundred billion. Mm-hmm. you would recall that that announcement was was made in in 2009 by mm-hmm. uh, uh, by Hillary Clinton uh, yes. before, uh, as as uh, the secretary of state of, of, of the US mm-hmm. and so the context of that announcement was uh, was purely political
0: mm-hmm.
2: meaning there was no pre-assessment on the needs of the continent on or the continent or actually uh, any developing country or developing countries as a group for that matter. There was no technical assessment on uh, on uh, the modalities through which this would be disbursed, how this was going to be counted, and hence the uh, the total confusion up mm-hmm. to today. That's why the African group wanted to go about this, this negotiation in a very structured, methodological manner. Mm-hmm. But we should agree before and before anything is set like any target is set but we agree and we have a proper uh, assessment of the needs we have a proper assessment of uh, you know what are the instruments what are the what counts what doesn't count what is you know how can we really make this a, a process which is inclusive a process which is transparent a process which responds to the needs of of countries Mm. So we're very keen on that process to us is, most impor- is much more important than any figure which can come out of the negotiation. That's the first thing mm. that we have, we have learned. The second thing is we are also thinking about maybe breaking up or, 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 or disaggregating that goal, for instance. You remember it was a 100 goal, everything under the sun. Mm. We are we're still in exploratory mode, but we are thinking huh, it could perhaps makes sense to have a sub-goal for adaptation, mm-hmm. adaptation grant base, adaptation, grant base, Africa. So we, we, we that could also help in the tracking of the of progress. Yeah. We're not interested by a number. We're interested by by a mm-hmm. process which is underpinned by scientific and technical rigor. Mm-hmm. And that, that will come out with, with whatever outcome, but a outcome which is strongly rooted in our needs, which is strongly uh, rooted in in rules uh, and in strongly uh, uh, rooted in uh, uh, in what can be done building on you know building on then uh, everything and leveraging everything else which is possible and that has been our position and we're very strong uh, on that one uh, you know having a very clear robust technical Uh, process.
0: Mm. Briefly, I know we've discussed special circumstances, we've discussed adaptation, we've discussed, you know, carbon market, but then again, I want you to just, you know, streamline it in terms of what specific will Africa be taking to the core?
2: Ambition, ambition, ambition.
0: Mm.
2: Ambition for adaptation, ambition for mitigation, ambition for finance, underpinned by an acknowledgement of our special circumstances. The, The three most important uh, to us uh,
0: hmm.
2: adaptation because regardless of the emission reduction Africa is being impacted sure. Africa needs to be resilient Africa needs to protect its development gain, so we must adapt to climate change regardless of that or what happens
0: sure.
2: finance is key hmm. for you to do anything on the ground finance is key absolutely and we must also be preserving Africa by telling our partners you have created this mess you are not funding nowhere near uh, in an adequate manner, let alone at scale. So the recognition of those consequences on the continent and the recognition of the existing uh, fragility of the continent, you must at least recognize that and acknowledge that. And of course, we're going to finalize uh, the negotiation for the uh, carbon markets, Article mm-hmm. 6, mm-hmm. and as well as any mechanism coming out of this market, should this, that there should be this levy Uh, to uh, fund adaptation adaptation action we're very strong on that and that's a very specific mandate to cop 26 i mean we are supposed to finalize this negotiation two years ago and we will not be ready to just agree for the sake of agreeing if there is a fundamental compromise which doesn't respect uh, the the elements i've alluded to
0: thank you saini arona saini has mentioned how important post-2020 climate finance is for the continent but i'm wondering given majority of the africa's ndc's are conditional to the provision of finance what role would the bank play in ensuring mobilization and access to post 2020 finance
1: yes uh, i uh, on the on the ndc side the bank has demonstrated uh, a very strong leadership uh, by setting in place africa ndc hub which is a platform of agent partners uh, supporting regional member countries on on defining and revising the the, the ndc and, 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 and as I said before the question is just just not just to be ambitious we have to be also more accurate and in, uh, in terms of numbers in terms of data in terms of baseline and make sure that this industry revision process is also in line with development policies
2: yeah.
1: and it's, it's also provide a new opportunities and uh, uh, the industry revision process in Africa. We know before the Paris Agreement, most of these indices have been developed in a in a very critical situation of, you know, of Russia, you know, before going to Paris, and now, now it's time and the opportunity to reframe this NDC process, making sure that they are aligned with our development goals, making sure that you have updated information, and also take now in both, the issues have been left aside in the first edition of indices, health okay. is one of them.
0: Okay. The
1: next is between health and climate change, the issue around gender, the issue, the issue around cost of adaptation Mm -hmm. which has to be quantified and see the NDC as a way to really unlock new opportunities and the the, the essence of this NDC is really to to unlock new opportunities and to develop a new framework and design new trajectory and if you link that to the COVID-19 situation I think the COVID-19 situation is also a new opportunity to explore a new way of doing business uh, we can build better, back better.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We can help to deliver more on our climate change, but also on our environment goal. Uh-huh. And the COP will be also a very good opportunity to see how can we address the issue around climate disaster, extreme ex- extreme events, and all the poor uh, poor country are, are now facing. And also issue which has been now highlighted by the COVID nineteen around local adaptation around how to build urban resilience, how to address the issue on water management, access to energy, social safety net, nature-based solution, how to prevent disasters, and so on. And at the COP, at the, the bank will really uh, highlight uh, the proactive action we have been taking to, to, to design a strong COVID-19 stimulus package, mm-hmm. helping country to raise the foundation for building back better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, addressing the short-term needs of the country, but also looking at the longer-term needs and in a more integrated way. And I think the building back better process will enable us uh, to to be much more creative, leverage new funding, as we did at the bank, with, you know, the social bond, with, you know, different different initiatives the bank is now taking to support regional member countries in responding to the new address uh, COVID-19. I think this is the way to go. The way to go is really to, to make sure that our goals are really aligned and, uh, and this is in line with our overall uh, support to countries
0: and okay. it's something
1: we'll really be highlighting at, uh, at COP19.
0: What are the main key messages uh, when it comes to COP26?
1: I think one of the key messages is uh, we have a unique opportunity really to turn the dots and uh, as I say to burn the curve and and to, to address the issues in a more integrated way and uh, it takes efforts, and at COP26, African yeah. finance must come must become much stronger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a priority for for the African continent. And we need to to leverage on public and private and private sector finance
2: mm-hmm. to
1: build resilience. And uh, 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 for the bank, this is an opportunity to to, to, to highlight and to use our major initiatives. Uh, for women, Afawa, for, 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 for women, desert to power, uh, bringing, in, uh, uh, bringing and enabling access to energy in Africa, uh, addressing all the issues around climate, smart agriculture and working with, not only the Minister of Environment, but also Minister of Finance, so we can really uh, make sure that, you know, adaptation plan also in line with a development plan and budget. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the issue of adaptation must become as, as a priority for the African countries. The second thing that we we have discussed was also the issue around making sure that we have increasing climate adaptation, finance, which is Mm -hmm. very key for the COP. Countries have been developing NDCs, they have been developing all sorts of management plans and development plans. It is now time for us to scale up our support to make sure that small island island development countries, African countries have enough tools and means. For adaptation and for building resilience and we need to be very innovative in terms of financial options and and, and so on mm. one of the other messages i would like to say is you know all the issues around COVID that we have discussed it uh, shortly <laughs> using this opportunity to really deliver on on the green growth agenda and building building better resilience for this you know, laying the foundation for building better and greener uh, for the future and making sure that we are addressing the triple crisis: climate change, biodiversity, land degradation. And for that, we need to build synergy. We need to have a collective effort. We need to scale up efforts. We need to work on the most critical areas in the in the continent, the Sahel region. Uh, support regional initiatives such as the Great Green world You know, the Congo Basin. You know, all the, all the all the issues around the Congo Basin, the heart of Africa, along our coastline. Mm. This is, for me, this is a very important thing, and the bank has made a very strong pledge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To support this transformative agenda, uh, we have made the commitment to allocate forty percent of our funding to climate change. But we we'll will go beyond by making sure that there's a priority a priority between artificial finance and mitigation, uh-huh. and going beyond that, making sure that for the for the years to come, uh, the support from the bank to the climate agenda will be will be we will be scaled up. Yeah, and this is something very important. And, uh, our next climate change strategy and policy will also reflect the outcome of the COP26. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. I don't know if we must end this conversation now, but I sincerely appreciate you for taking time to join this conversation.
1: Okay, Thank you, Sophie. Thank you very much
0: that was arona somere the african development bank principal climate change and green growth officer and the spokesperson to the african group of negotiators on climate change abasanda saynina for talking about the priorities for africa on the road to glasgow gratitude to the continent's premier development finance institution the african development bank group and in particular its climate change and green growth department whose collaboration has made this conversation possible remember this podcast is available on our website africa climate conversations and every other channel you access your podcast from please do not forget to share as someone who is on your network would really benefit from this conversation but until next Week to have ourselves a, a productive and safe week ahead.